Let's, uh, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, so thankful for a, a, another Sunday that we can gather together. Just thanks for the beautiful day that it is, and thanks for all those that are here. And um, we just pray for that you would just teach us from your word today, speak through me, and I pray for those who aren't, aren't able to be here today, that you would um, just draw them to you and that they'd be looking at you wherever they are and whatever they're doing. So we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably an, an old story, but did you hear about the Backwoods family that was visiting the, the big city for the first time? And they were amazed by everything they saw. They kind of just always hit the outskirts of, of town whenever they came, but this time they were getting the full works. Having grown up and lived all their lives in the boondocks, everything was completely new to them. Arriving at a fancy hotel where they had reservations, the father and son went inside to to check into the room, leaving mom and, and sis outside with their horse and wagon. I mean, they were really backwoods here. And while, while they were waiting at the reception desk, an old lady hobbled across the, lo the lobby up to the elevator, pushed a button on the wall, and the father and son watched in amazement. The doors opened up. She stepped inside. They watched her push another button, and the, the doors shut, and she disappeared. Well, it wasn't very much later that the doors opened up again, and out walked a rather gorgeous-looking woman. <laughs> and the, the dad grabbed his son without taking his eyes off the elevator and said, quick, go get your mother. <laughs> Transformation isn't quite that easy, but, uh, but it isn't impossible either. And as, uh, as we read through the Gospels, especially, especially in the Gospels, we read the stories of Jesus and how he encountered people, we realize that everywhere Jesus went, he left changed lives in his wake. Even to this day, people are changed when they encounter Jesus. And they, and they can, or they will, or they should be changed when they allow him to fully encounter their lives. We're going to look at a, a story, even this... Uh, see, I was hoping Steve wasn't going to be here today, because I, sometimes I pick on passages he's preached on, but it's been a long time since you were in John. So... Uh, so I'm, I'm in, it was either going to be John or James, so I said, well, James is even farther away. Probably a lot of new people here since then. But uh, anyway, we're going to be in John chapter 4. Um, I've, I've been kind of going through a personal series of encounters with Jesus. And uh, one of the things that has really hit me, just uh, especially in the, in the times that they are right now, and I, and I find myself, just like Chrissy's children's message was, is, is about... I just get worked up and get angry pretty easy. And, uh, and not, at, not at my family, not at you. It's just that what's going on and people, and I just like, man, I just want to throttle some people sometimes. And, uh, and, I, and I, so the, this, this has been a good thing for me because it's like the question that I keep asking myself, and, and this is what I kind of ask you, um, what, what impression do people have of you after they've met you? And it, Fortunately for people, most of them don't have a clue what I'm thinking. <laughs> and because I don't really open my mouth all that much when I shouldn't. I do open it plenty when I shouldn't. But as I'm, uh, as I'm dealing with things, I'll, I'll uh, read the paper or read the, whatever I read on the internet or watch some things happening. And I certainly have plenty of comments. Unlucky for my wife, she's the only one that ever gets to hear that stuff for the most part. But still, I, I just had to think, you know what? What kind of impression do I leave 
as, as I encounter people? Do they feel like after they've encountered me, no matter what the case, um, good, bad, or indifferent, do they feel like they've encountered Jesus or not? Because realistically, as Christians, each one of us should leave the aroma of Jesus behind. They, when they meet us, should feel like they encountered Jesus, even if they don't understand why. And, and a lot of, um, when we look at different things that Jesus did, there's no doubt about it. When people encountered Jesus in the Gospels, they knew that they had encountered something different. And typically, it was, uh, he was leaving a, uh, at least a, a changed impression on them. There was obviously people that didn't accept his message and, and change, but, uh, but a lot of people did. We're going to look at John chapter 4 today, which is the story of a, of a lady who really was changed when she encountered Jesus. Let me just read this, this story, and, um, and then we'll, we'll go back through and dissect it a little bit. Starting at, uh, at verse 1 of chapter 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining, uh, was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the, Lord, when, the, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so, be, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the, pilot ground, uh, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, which in, just to put it there is about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and drank from it himself as did also his sons and the flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water? He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is, is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on, on this mountain. But the you Jews claim that the place where, he must, what we, where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not, do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that I know that, that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman, but no one, uh, no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? 
Then leaving her, her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I, I will tell you, lost my place. I will tell you, even your eyes and look, uh, open your eyes and look upon the fields. They are riper for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one, set, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Other, uh, worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of, of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed, for two, stayed two days. And, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's getting to where I have to start. I'm wearing glasses up here and I don't, I just can't make myself do it. And so it's like, I, I have a large print Bible from when my eyes started getting bad, I'm gonna need to get the giant print Bible because it's like all the stuff runs together it seems. But So, I will probably have to break down next time and wear my glasses if I'm going to read that much. So, the signs of getting old. So here we have, um, just looking through the story, that was a, it's a great story, it's kind of a long passage in a sense, but it's a great story and there's a lot in that thing. I'm going to do all of it at once and I promise you I'm not going to keep you real late, it's just there's a lot there, so I'm going to hit on some of the main stuff here. But Jesus was tired as, as they were traveling. They had, they had decided to, that they were going to travel um, through, through Samaria, which most Jews would travel around it. But, but Jesus, it's like he said, um, I don't, have you ever, any of you seen The Chosen yet? Um, I, I've watched just like this one little clip of The Chosen, which is the story of Jesus. Um, it's not in modern, it's just a modern show of it. It's, um, I've heard that it's pretty good. I think Cindy was planning on showing that right when COVID hit, so we canceled all this stuff. But I'm telling you, it's a, it's a great story of, of Jesus. And so I watched this little section of it, and it was great because Jesus is talking to the disciples and set, telling them where they're going to go, but then, uh, but then it says, he goes, ah, I'm going to cut this in half. Huh? And, and it's because he went straight through Samaria. Um, and that is not, they would not, the Jews would not have anything to do with the Samaritans. As I said here earlier in the passage, it said that um, they, were, they were shocked she was shocked when Jesus was talking to her because she was a Samaritan. But, but anyway, they were, they were traveling. They, they'd gone about 30 miles, which is a pretty long hike, I, I'm going to say. They were, they were tired. They were hungry. The disciples went on into town to get some food, and Jesus stayed there at the well. When all of a sudden, this, this gal shows up, um, and, and she came to draw, to draw water. And... Um, Jesus, as, as we all know, was, uh, was anything but average. He traveled westward through the, through the region of Samaria. Um, Samaria. He, his followers walked along with him. It was a hot, it's a hot area. It obviously was a hotter time of the year. At least he was 
thirsty as anybody would be any time of the year. But they, they got to this place, and as I said, Jesus sent the disciples off for food, and he sat to rest and wait. Up comes what we're going to call a scandalous conversation. As the first scene begins in here, it's about 12 o'clock, when a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water. The conversation began innocently enough. Jesus asked, please give me a drink of water. His request seems insignificant to us in this day and age. He was tired and hot. He'd walked a long distance. He had nothing for which to, to draw the water himself. No buckets or pails that they brought along with him. And so he asked for some water. Well, what's so scandalous about that? Although we might missed, have missed it, the woman immediately recognized the whole conversation was taboo. It was, a, it was for this, something like this, of this nature to happen was just totally, totally took her by surprise. I'm surprised that you, she says, asked me for a drink. You're a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. For one thing, it wasn't proper in those days for a man to just start talking to a woman um, in public. But even more importantly, racism, racism was very rampant in those days between especially the Jews and the, and the Samaritans. Jews in those days wouldn't, wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. That's the way I, I like I don't I don't study from the Message Bible. I read it sometimes, but I, I love the term sometimes. And it said they wouldn't be caught dead talking to, to one. And that was kind of the truth of it. They would not. Um, it would have been a... a just total taboo. And so, but Jesus did talk to her. And, and so this is where, uh, and so she asked him, um, she says, who are you that, you'd be, that you would talk to me? And Jesus says to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who is speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you a drink of, of living water. And this is where it would be nice if, the, if biblical writers, if we could always understand exactly what was going on. But I, I, I sense that there might have been a little bit of sarcasm in her, in her answer here. And as you get to know this woman a little bit more, you might start thinking, you know, she's not just this nice gal that shows up. She's probably one of those that's a little rough around the edges. I, show, she, I, I think there might have been, I just my speculation, there might have been a little bit of sarcasm in her retort. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. How would you get living water for me from this? And besides, you think you're the greatest, um, that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Reading that from the, from the NLT, which I, I like, it's down to earth wording sometimes. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again in verses 13 and 14. But whoever drinks this water I give will never be thirsty. The water I will give be, um, becomes a spring of water gushing up inside the, that person, giving eternal life. And the woman said to him, again, I think with a little bit of sarcasm, she says, sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty again and will not have to come back to this place and get water. Jesus told her, go get your husband and come back here. Now this word translated go in there where it says go get your husband um, is, is actually I mean as you're going. So it kind of indicates possibility that she was turning to go already. She was sick of the conversation. Um, I don't know if she gave him the drink or not. It doesn't tell us that. But she's getting ready to go. So apparently she was already turning back her back on Jesus. So Jesus is actually saying, hey, since you're living, since you're leaving, 
Go get your husband and bring him back here. This gets her attention, primarily for one big reason. She says, I don't have a husband. Well, this is where we, we learn, as Paul Harvey would have always said, the rest of the story. It's not that the woman had lied. In fact, she told the truth for which Jesus commended her. And, but it's not the whole truth, and that's what we need to understand. Jesus said to her, you're right to say you have no husband. Really, because you have had five husbands. And the man you live with now is not your husband. You told the truth, lady. Well, now she's a little shaken, I can imagine. It's like, what in the world? It's like, here, I, here I'm trying to get away from this guy, and now he's starting to say things about me. Um, that, that are true that I have not spoken. By now, perhaps you've noticed that Jesus and the woman are the only two people at the well, so it seems. And there's a reason for that. And in, the village, in villages like this one, it was pretty customary for the women of the city to visit the well early in the morning and draw their daily ration of water. They'd go when it was cool. Um, it, they, it was much easier for them to walk up there. And they'd kind of go... Um, Tradition tells us this. They kind of went, it, it doesn't use this term. They went as a, as a cackling gag of women going up there. Um, you can just imagine that. A bunch of women, if I, I know this is how it would be. I, I would go to the well by myself. My wife would feel much better if she could get a bunch of other women to go with her. And so that was kind of the tradition. All the women would gather. Maybe I don't know if they had a spot that they gathered, and they'd all go hiking up the mountain to the, to the well. And there they could tell all their share all their stories, tell what was going on, their, their, their greatest craft that they were working on, the, the things that their lousy husband was doing right now, discussing the children and how to, just all kinds of things. You can imagine, I am not a woman, but I've been around, I just left a women's retreat. So I kind of know what goes on when a, when a whole, I call them gaggles, okay, not cackles. Gaggle, a whole gaggle of women are together. It's interesting conversation. And, um, and there's a lot of it. And, uh, and it doesn't talk about, it's not about elk hunting and whatever else. And uh, so you can kind of imagine, that's just get that picture. That's as these women would go off to the well. Well, this woman who had, was a five-time divorcee and now living with some other guy, probably, I shouldn't even say probably, did not have, I can guarantee you, did not have a good reputation in that town. In fact, she might have been part of the conversation as these women are traveling up to the well. And so purposely, she would go about noon. And that's when she knew, okay, I can just go up there by myself. I don't have to put up with the, with the scorn and the dirty looks of people. I'll just wait until they're up there, until they're back, and I don't even have to meet them on the, on the path. And that's why she was most likely, I'm just speculating some, but this is a lot of what would happen back in those days. And so, and so here it is, she's by herself, and, and it, kind of probably bugs her that there's some guy there anyway. And then when this, when this man talks to her, I'm not sure how Jesus was dressed. She picked him out as a rabbi, as some of the translations tell us. But she knew that he was a, that he was a Jew and, and that apparently he was a man of teaching authority. And so that's why she questioned him. Why on earth are you even talking to me when you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan? And, and sir, if you, a lot of this would be going through her thoughts Sir, if you even knew who I was in this village, you really wouldn't be talking to me. But then Jesus blows it all out of the water because not only does he talk to her, does he talk to her kindly, he then begins to tell her things about herself that, that most people wouldn't know. 
So instead, she found somebody at the well instead of being by herself. She found someone who knew her, knew much about her. Despite her history, Jesus offered no criticism, no anger, no what kind of mess have you made of your life lectures, nothing like that. When Jesus looked at the woman, he didn't see a Samaritan woman, a second-class citizen, or a five-time divorcee. He saw a soul in need of salvation. The same is true when he looks at each one of us. Jesus doesn't define you by your failures. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter if you've made a mess of your life or not, or if the image you portray is not what's really in your heart and mind. It just doesn't matter. Jesus knows everything there is to know about you, and he loves you. He loves all of us anyway. I think this Samaritan woman could have could sense that about Jesus. So she asked him a question that revealed the, the gaping hole in her heart, the same kind of question that many of us might ask when we're confronted by God. Verse 19, she says this. She asks this, Why is it that you, Jews, insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? So the translation is kind of like this, and it's like it, it, this happens a lot of times um, probably when we start talking about God to people, is that instantly people begin to ask the questions that are those, those gaps. What about this, though? And they start asking questions about God. It's more like this. It's like, where is God? Um, my people says he's on the mountain. Your people say he's in the Jerusalem. I don't know where he is. Look at the, li the life that I've, I've had to live because things have just not gone right for me. It's not all my fault, you know. And that's kind of what she's saying here. It's like she instantly starts attacking um, in, a, in a sense of, of asking those God questions that so many people ask that, that don't have a relationship with God. Jesus begins by saying this in verse 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are, kind, uh, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. There was an air of expectancy. Expect, I can't say the word. I wrote it down. Expectancy. There we go. And uh, there's and and it was just that question of of what's going on here, as if something big was um, was looming on the horizon, and and she picks up on it. So that's what Jesus says. You understand this. You I know that you understand Scripture better than you're coming across right now, as he tells her some some deep truths that that the Jews would know and the Samaritans would have studied as well. And she picks up on it immediately. She replies this. She goes, I I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Of all the places to find a hungry heart in Samaria, of all the Samaritans to be searching for God, a five-time divorcee and, and, and a person who is now living in an illicit relationship, and of all the people to be chosen to pers personally receive the secret of the ages, an outcast among outcasts, it's this woman at the well who had all these, these life issues. The most insignificant person in the region. Think about it, because later on when, when people asked Jesus if he was the Christ, he, he refused to answer sometimes. When, when Herod asked him, when Pilate asked him, when um, he, he, didn't, he did not share that who he was. I am the Messiah, he says in verse 26. The woman said, I know the Messiah is called Christ. It is, I know the Messiah is coming, 
He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, and I don't like the way the NIV says it, the way I'm reading, because he says, I am who speaks to you, is what it says in, in most other translations. And that's really significant of why it says that I am that one. It's because it's the same, it's that same I am in the same way that when Moses was out and he, and he met God in the wilderness at the, burning, at the burning bush and he said, who are you or who should I tell him sent me? And, and, G, and uh, God said, I am. Just tell them I am sent you. And that's the same thing right here. That's what that, that this phrase means in the original language. It's saying that I am who speak to you. And suddenly it's like, I am God. I am the, I am the Messiah. I am the one who you're speaking to right now. He's the God, man, divinity cloaked in humanity. It, and isn't that the kind of Messiah that we need? Just such a man that um, Jesus could love us and sympathize with our sorrows, but never save us. A, a, a just God, Jesus would, um, a, if he was just man, he would be able to love us, but never save us. If he was just God, Jesus would be so far above and beyond us that we could never relate to him or approach him. God knows that we need a savior and that he walked, walked among us. That's why he did. But also he had the powers and abilities far beyond. As the God-man, Jesus is everything we need in a rescuer. Just at that time, the Bible, just in the Bible says that his disciples came back. And they were shocked when they saw him talking to not only a woman, but talking to a Samaritan. But none of them had the nerve to say, I like to speculate a lot of times what would have gone on, because I know people sometimes, as, as we all do. And none of them had the nerve to ask what might have been crossing their minds. It's like, what do you want with her? Why on earth are you talking to this woman? Why on earth are you talking to a Samaritan woman? And Jesus, what on earth are you doing hanging out at the well when it's just the two of you? Don't you realize what a bad scene that, that looks like what a bad image that would portray what do you want with her well then all of a sudden the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village and it tells us in, uh, in, in verse 28 um, in verse 29 come and see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Christ they came out of the town and made their way toward him So it was, a, it was a startling thing that had happened here, both for the, for the woman at the well and for the disciples. It, it's, now it brings up a, a kind of a startling conversation, what I call. After running back to town, the woman says to anyone she can find, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you think he might be the Christ, as we just read? An encounter with Jesus transformed this woman from the town tramp into an enthusiastic evangelist. Suddenly the shame of the tattered romance has disappeared. Suddenly the insignificance of her life, life was swallowed by the significance of her message. God is here, God has come, God cares, and he cares for me. And she got that from, from this message, not a, not a great sermon that Jesus preached or anything like that. It was just a relationship. It was an encounter that she had with him. Maybe I'm reading between the lines here, which I, I do sometimes, but I think that, that what she meant as she announces, I just talked to a man who knows everything I ever did, and he loves me anyway. This is why she forgot her water jar. 
That's why she ran to the city. That's why she grabbed the first person she saw and announced her discovery because she was so excited about this new thing that she had just learned. As the drama continues, people come streaming from the village to see Jesus. The Bible tells us that, that many of them, many of the Samaritans in that town believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. After two days, of, and they even invited Jesus to come back and spend some time with them, and he did. He hung out with them for two days, it says. And after two days of testimonies and transformations, the people of, the, of Samaria collectively said to the woman, first, we believed in Jesus because of what you said, but now we believe because we heard ourselves. We know that this man really is the savior of the world. Like the woman at the well had been dry, tired and thirsty, she hadn't walked 30 miles through the desert. She hadn't spent the better part of a day under the, uh, under the sun. Her thirst was different than what Jesus was. Her thirst came from a dry and weary soul, searching for love in all the wrong places. This was a woman, though she would, she would find some sense of fulfillment each time. But when the newness wore off and the infatuation subsided, she was left with feelings of emptiness, loneliness, and discontent. She would go from man to man, bed to bed, each time hoping that this relationship would bring with that love, um, would bring that love she so desperately needed. But then she met Jesus, and everything changed. She was changed. Her heart was changed. Her whole village was changed because of her encounter with Christ. It doesn't tell us in this, in this passage of, of how she got down on her, her knees and asked Jesus into her heart. Um, I'm not slamming that. It doesn't tell even about a real conversion. It talks, about, it talks about some questions that she had. And then it talks about how she turned and ran and started telling everybody about Jesus and the encounter that she had with him. And as a result of it, other people came to see, to meet this man that she had met because of her encounter with Christ. Just to wrap things up, I, I think that we can... Um, I, want to, I want us to look at, I think that each one of us is in, in one of three places. The first, for some of you, the story of this woman is touching but distant. You belong to God. You have a good relationship with God. You have a fulfilling relationship with Christ. And others you meet know, know that. Insignificance isn't a significant issue for, for you. So be thankful. That doesn't mean there's nothing here for you, though. The second place is maybe you were struck with the story because it sounds familiar. You know why the Samaritan woman was avoiding people. You do the same thing sometimes. You know, you know what it's like to have no one to sit by at the cafeteria. You've wondered what, it's, uh, what it would be like to have one good friend you could really trust. Perhaps you've made a mess of your life more times than you can count, and you too have wondered where in the world is God. The third area is where I, I think it's where most of us as Christians are. It's where the most common Christian is. We have a walk and relationship with Jesus, but we know that way too often our encounters with other people don't create an encounter for those people to be with Jesus. So here's the challenge. Let your personal encounter with Jesus have been so life-changing that when you also encounter other people, it creates life-changing encounters with Jesus for them. Just like this woman, she was so changed, she was so excited, she couldn't help but run into town and start shouting out what, about this Jesus she had met. Now we can always say, yeah, it's easy for, for that, for people to see a change in that person. 
because, but they hadn't really seen it, they just heard the news, but they could probably just tell by her face that something was different about this person. My prayer, just as we close, is what we read in verse 42, and I just want to read that one more time. In verse 42, it says this. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Because see, when she met Jesus and her enthusiasm created an encounter with Jesus, even though they were just meeting her, it led them to a deeper encounter with Jesus where they then said, we know it from you, but now we've met Jesus and we really know that this is the truth. And so I just pray that, that each one of us would, would have a, a re-encounter with Jesus perhaps. And then, then that creates encounters with Jesus as we meet other people. Uh, just a great challenge for us. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, so thankful for, for your word. Thank, so thankful for the stories we have of Jesus. And as we look at um, what would Jesus do, and we ask that question sometimes, it's like we, we really don't always have an idea of what he would do, but we do know that he would care for people. And uh, even in this case, a down and outer, a person that, that deserves scorn, that, that we would say. But Lord, he, he just gave her love. And from that, it changed her life, and her changed life led to, to change lives of many other people. I just want to pray that each one of us would go out from this place, and that we would, that as people meet us, their lives would be changed as a result of, of Jesus and, and uh, how they have encountered Jesus and encountering us. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.